How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, Episode 3. Wow. Episode. Uno, dos, tres. Three. We made it. It's pretty crazy. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be talking about 2018's American Animals. I'm pretty sure I said 2017 American Animals last week. I, I was. I think you did. Didn't I? No. Well, I'm just correcting so. myself just in case. Just in case. That'll be on later in the show. Uh, obviously. You did You did do one boo-boo, though, on your list, which I'll point out when we get to. Okay. Already making <laughs> mistakes. It took three weeks. Um, so, yeah, that'll be on later in the show, of course. Highlights from the past week. What's in cinemas this week. Just another classic episode of Cinema Sideshow. I know, just another classic. Just another one everyone so, comes to. How are you, Jake? I'm all right. It feels like... First off, I'm tired. I've had a long week. I oh. feel like ever since we started the podcast, because it's now Monday. Yes. Monday's podcast day for us. Yes. As we record it and get it up very quick. You're very quick on that. Thank you. But um, quick where it counts. And, uh, you know, we, everyone needs their listening fix. But I feel like ever since we started, every week has felt so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, just, every it's week's like the longest week ever. Two weeks in a row now. You, you want to, like, shift it to another day of the week? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. This is perfect. It's it's like perfect day, but it's just if it's a coincidence. It has to be a coincidence. It's definitely been a long month. Like I know now we're into February. We're in February now. But January felt like it went forever. I uh, I don't think of that. I don't I don't know if that that's because for me, I didn't work. I didn't have to study. Then so January is like a good month for me, where I can just kind of do what I want essentially well we'll definitely but, be getting um, to the our career part of our yeah I know we got podcast, some cool news as I teased last your, week you just keep teasing you just, just keep the, teasing I'm just gonna keep teasing that'd be funny if you just went like 100 teased. episodes and you never actually revealed anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 100 years 100 years 100 episodes two years in yes <laughs> I'm just like hey guys we're gonna get some exciting news but disconnected soon <laughs> happen eventually guys to be fair two years ago we were working on disconnected so that's not even a joke yeah <laughs> to be fair crazy. so what have you got uh, up to last week in film in film um i've done my homework you'd be proud of me i'm i'm you, proud of you uh, are you proud of me in general <laughs> I mean, we'll find out in a sec <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see what films are say so i watched more adam sandler films this week no, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no. um no i was a little because last week i had only seen roma kind of under the pump so i was like i was obviously i did our home with the minimum amount but it's like i thought i was like no i need more, i need more to do something Going for that passing grade exactly i want that passing grade p's get degrees P- <laughs> p's get degrees exactly well that's and what I, that's GPA. what i got now i want to get cl- yeah yeah and a low gpa that's all right um but I got, I got a little closer i believe i watched was it five i think it was five or six not including our film of the week Wow, so you almost did so, the challenge. I almost did the challenge. I almost got the full seven. I can't remember. There was one I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch Vice this week, and I didn't have time to do it. I can't remember if in my head that was the sixth or seventh movie of the week. It would have been nice to get the seven. Yeah. Be, get Catch up with you, boy. Um, that, that's pretty good, though. It was, no, six. It was solid. So, um, so what did you cover? All right, so I covered a few things. I'm actually going to start off with uh, How to Train Your Dragons 2. Two. Which I finally watched two, yeah. Did you like number two? I enjoyed number two. I think actually. number two is the best one. My, really? I think number two is definitely the, the strongest of the three, in my opinion. Wow, okay. Because I don't remember anything from the first one. Like, absolutely nothing. It's pretty... I feel like the, the first one, if you'd watched the first one, you wouldn't be like, hey, they're going to make two more movies. 
out of this movie. It's definitely... It's kind of got that Shrek effect. Yes. Where they could have gone with one, but then Nash actually kind of got pretty good with making more, and then... I don't think it... I, don't, I haven't seen I Dragons Free, but I can't imagine it's worse than Shrek Free. Yeah, no, Sh- Shrek was definitely the case of spreading uh, butter over too many slices of bread. You know what I mean? Like, they just... They just <laughs> That's the most interesting version of that analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm known to mess up analogies from time to time. But... I think you mess us, but you add an extra flavor to it. Oh, yeah. well, the flavor is not butter, even with, with Shrek. <laughs> um, but, uh... yeah, no, like, I don't know. It, it definitely is more consistent. Like, I think all of them are, like, 7 out of 10 right, like, okay. or more. Well, what did you give three? You saw three last week. Uh, I, all all three of them, it would be 7.5, 8, 7.75. Okay. So, in that order. So, what what do you like so much about the second one? Um, for me, it the, was the the animations and the visuals. Yeah. Um, gorgeous film. Then you wait till the third one, man. I guess well, that, like, that's it. This is five years up. old now. Yeah. I was like, this looks good. Well, that's man. what I was talking about. It was like the third one feels like in thirty years, you're not going to really be like, oh, that looks a bit dated. Is it definitely strong? Right. Okay. Um, I like the villain. And I like the development of the the characters that had an arc. Yeah. But now we've added. They've now they've gone to the next like stage, which is pretty cool. I would have liked in the third one if they'd aged them even more because they did do an age jump okay. from one to two. It was they quite didn't, an age jump, I noticed. But yeah. they didn't do an age jump from two to three until the very end. Um, mm. So it, that's a bit frustrating. I would have preferred actually a. A second age jump, but they didn't. They didn't go that path. Okay, so the majority of the third one is the same, roughly same age as them in the yes. second one. Okay, eh, yeah, okay. Does he have a beard in the third one? Right at the end. Oh. Yeah. So that whole thing in the trailer was a bit of a, bit of a swerve. Bit of a tease. Mm. <laughs> More Ooh. tease. You're the uh, add it to the list guy. I'm the tease guy. Tease guy. That's probably a weird <laughs> thing to me. So All right. Well, let's let, cover. Sorry? What else do you... Oh, do you want to go back and forth? Let's, be, let's back and forth. Because you've got enough we, we to got enough. Yeah, now we can do that. Well, uh, as we know, I'm doing the 365 Challenge at this point. This was films number 29 to 35. You are doing very well, sir. I'm... Challenge. Uh, admittedly, the other day, like, when we watched American Animals, I was really happy to be watching it with other people. I right. think other people are helping this challenge so much, because by yourself, it's really easy when you get 40 or, like, I'm now... Today will be 36, so watching them by myself are hard. Right. it's like, it gets harder and harder when I'm by myself, because I, I like feeding a, off a room. A drag. Like okay. watched, I've watched a lot of it in, in this room that we're filming the podcast in. Yeah. Um, or recording the podcast. Um, but, yeah, like watching American Animals with you the other day, I've watched a lot with um, my mate Oliver Tool and um, Callan, Helm, Callan Hellman. We watch um, stuff with James. I've watched stuff with James quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and watching it with people helps. Because yeah. then it becomes a coercive experience. Whereas by myself, it's kind of like... Sometimes like sometimes watching a movie is easy. But sometimes it can be a bit difficult. Yeah. I definitely struggled with some. I think out of the five films I watched this past week, four of them were with mates or friends. Yes. Well, from, from this list I'm looking at right now, at least five out of the seven this week were... Um, maybe six. Actually, six. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> uh, number 29 was Fire, mm. which I know you watched. I watched Fire. This was going to be my, like, oh, surprise. Check out this doco that I found. It's but, um, the latest doco by, 
um, the dude who did Jim and Andy. Mm. Um, and it's a banging documentary on Netflix. It's, it's so good. I was, I, right, so the way I found this uh, doco, it's actually a bit of a story in itself. Story time with Jake. Story time. Story time with Jake. And um, what I wanted to point out is it actually is in relationship to Disconnected. Um, because I was, I went back to work for the first time the other day, mm-hmm. and I was talking to my boss, and we we're talking about, and I'll another tease. Uh, we we're talking about this premiere thing that I'm setting up, and uh, we we're kind of talking. He was asking kind of specs about stuff, and I said, "I'm like, well, the film's not actually finished yet." And he just started, he started laughing. He's like, "Oh no," sort of thing. <laughs> and then he recommended he recommended this documentary to me upon this knowledge, which I thought was quite funny um, in hindsight. But um, watching the doco. But I'm glad he recommended. He was he was telling me about. It. He didn't say much. He just said you need to watch this doco. It's about a festival. They pretty much sold out without having any sort of plan. Yeah. And that is all he told me. And I sat down and watched it as soon as I got home. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, it's a really it's a really good doco. There's actually quite a few memes that have come out of the doco too, which is oh funny. really? Yeah, you know the 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 dude that tells the story about going to the customs official yes yeah so there's been a lot of memes about that bit where he's like fully prepared to go and oh yeah 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 <laughs> i don't want right. to spoil it because it's a really funny joke in it and it makes the entire crew laugh and yeah, it's really that's good, right like, fourth wall break but um really good doco check that one out on netflix right now yep oh i yeah i, lo- I love this so much there's a whole thing because there's actually two documentaries based around this event the fire festival Really? That came out around the same time. Hulu have their own documentary about it. And I think it's called Fire Fraud or something like that. Yeah, because yeah, the hashtag Fire Fraud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, um, I, it's, it, it takes a different approach. I think this one focuses more on the actual, the uh, specificity of like the planning and like what went wrong with the festival. I think the other one on Hulu is more centered around the guy himself. See, I, I would have, I actually, that was what I noted down as more positive was avoiding doing such direct things with yeah. the guy. And this one feels more like, all right, well, this is an assumption of what happened. Well, this is and how it affected people. I don't think it's as good as Jim and Andy. Okay. Um, I think Jim and Andy was. I think Jim and Hand because there's more distance from it, and a, the Fire Festival, which is you know geared towards youthful people, you're you're bound to have that footage. That footage yeah. exists. You can just. Find, I mean, they did a great job of tracking it all down and getting all that B-roll, that footage, um, especially on the ground and stuff. Mm. But um, I think you're right with Andy and Jim. There's a bit more um, like, oh, wow, that footage exists kind of Pretty thing. cool. Yeah. Um, but, so um, what about, what was your next one, mate? Well, I had a couple of things I want to finish with Fire. Yeah. I, I really love it. It's actually, I think, one of my favorite films I've seen this year, if not my favorite. Wow. And that includes everything we've seen up to date. Roma, the favorite. Um, what was another one really good one I watched? Well, yeah. It, Who knows? It, it might roll like, around next year and might get an Oscar nomination. Because I think it is know. 2019, unfortunately. It doesn't feel like an Oscar documentary, but it was just such a good, like, enticing drama. And it was like, I always, I gave I gave Beck a shout-out in episode one, and I gave Damien a shout-out in episode two. I'm going to give Glenn a shout-out today in episode three, because it's like he says, drama. Docos need drama, and this really did that. Did a really good job. It did a really good job without being like melodramatic. Oh, it's not melodramatic at all. It kind of it, it it and the way you say it, it doesn't focus on one particular person. It focuses on the whole event, which gives it this kind of much 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 wider uh, you know notoriety to the whole thing, which was true. Well, admittedly, I have a doco later in this week of films that beat Fire. 
okay. So I'll tease that, but uh, if you well, got anything, I else just to got say one. I got one last thing. I noticed, um, and I mentioned it to you the other day without mentioning which film I was talking about. Yeah. But they took a lot of music from, um, Finch's films, Social Network, Gone Girl. Those soundtracks are in this doco. Really? Did you? I just, I just noticed. I was like, that tracks from Social Network. That tracks from Gone Girl. Maybe there's a. Uh, it must get, be the same I get composer. The social, I get the sort of. Yeah. yeah, it fit it fit really well, especially like in the pre-production planning oh, yeah. stage. It's like the tracks fit really well, um, and then Gone Girl kind of has that even moodier kind of mm. dryness to it. Um, I noticed that probably the same composer, probably from the same director. Probably worth so. having a look into. Yeah, I might give that a little cheeky look yeah. now. But you you give me another film because that, right. that was both so both of us. I yeah. watched Black Mass, which was Ooh. a Johnny Depp crime drama from. Uh, 2015. How actually is he in that? Because I've never seen it. He's very good in it. Um, the, the problem is with Black Mass, and I, I, I summarised it by saying it does everything that a crime drama should do, except hit that next gear that would make it a classic. Right, okay. So it never quite gets to the, oh my god moment that like Godfather or Goodfellas mm. or something like that. Untouchables. They all get to that. So that final kick, it's kind of yeah. lacking that. It just lacks that last kick. Depp's performance is great in it. He's scary in it. Mm. And um, Edgington, Joe Edgington's in it. He's really good in it. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. He's all right, but like not really a big Cumberbatch fan. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I always forget his name. But um, the guy from Game Night who plays Gary. Okay, is in it, and he's also pretty good. But it's it's good. It's like a pretty solid film. You, if you like your crime dramas, watch it. It's great. Um, I watched Swiss Army Man. Oh, that's right. I've always wanted to see that. Never got around to it. That was um, a Harry film Potter. that was really good. <laughs> Didn't enjoy the last twenty minutes. Um, kind of ruined the film for me a little bit. Kind okay, of knocked it down a peg. I was I was about halfway through. I watched it with my friend Oliver, and, and we sort of were really enjoying how absurd and weird it was. Up until the last 20 minutes where we sort of were just, like, more trying to figure out what was going on. It's a little bit convoluted, a little bit a little bit murky towards the end. I watched The Darkest Hour for the first time, um, and The Darkest Hour has probably one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in the last 10 years. And okay. I, I've seen it before, the scene, but in the context of the film, it was great. It was that scene with Churchill taking the train, before he gives the final speech That's at the end right. of the film. I've seen, I've seen that scene, but I haven't seen the whole That film. scene is just amazing. That scene is so good. Um, I saw the Green Book with you. Uh, right, we both watched Green Book together. Yeah, that's probably... In a, in a very, very lonely theatre. Empty theatre. It was me, you, and James. It was just the three of us the entire film. No one ever came in late or anything. It was just the three of us. And now this film has received a lot of kind of polarising reviews. A lot of critics aren't really digging it because they think it's a bit, bit of an easy sort of Oscar baity sort of film that's covering very soft top like soft approach to heavy topics. I mean, the 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 thing with that it's interesting because having watched it and like we didn't know much going into it, we just knew no. it was one of the best picture nominations, and that cleans you up. You've seen every all eight yes. best picture noms, so you're ready. I just need to catch Vice, which I wanted to do. Yesterday, can honestly not tell you who's gonna win. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I've got I've got my list outside of Vice. I've got my ranking. If we want to go for that later, that'd but probably be that'd be cool to do just before the Oscars. That's though. a good point. Well, it's coming up soon. Mm. It's coming soon. 
Um, oh, by the way, I've done a little bit of research just then. So the uh, we have the same composer. We actually have two names come up for both Gone Girl and The Social Network. So we got look at that man, Trent Trent Reznor, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross. Atticus, I've never seen that name. Atticus Ross. So those two did both Gone Girl and um, The Social Network, which is interesting because if you actually look up um, the composer for Fire, is someone named Jason Hill. Maybe he's just drawing inspiration from it. Maybe. Interesting. Um, But going back to Green Book... Yes. I feel like it was one of those films where I was watching it and I was like, okay, this is really enjoyable. I'm loving the the dialogue, the dynamic, the performances. I'm really enjoying that. But, I mean, it was like you were saying about Black Mask. It It was missing that sort of final kick. Until the end, when it kind of all hit me, this is a great bromance story. We were joking in the theater. We were joking about it, and it's like, no, that's what it was. And then, especially because it is based on true story, um, and you kind of most true stories, obviously, you have kind of a little end cap pre-credit scene where it just kind of tells you what happens after the story. And that was the real hit for me. Like, wow, this is actually like the best bromance story of all time. (laughs) Like, it's just a nice story. Like, like the thing is, sometimes uh, we don't have to have such polarizingly heavy stuff. It's Mm. it's a nice, easy watch. Like. Someone the other day came up to me and was like, oh, I have a choice to watch Vice or Green Book. Which one am I going to watch? And I'm like, okay. well, do you want an easy watch or do you want a, a contemplative watch? And they're like, oh, well, I'm going on a date. It's so probably an easy watch. I'm like, watch Green Book. It's way easier. Green Book's a great date it's, film. It's a way easier viewing experience. Like, there's de- there's definitely got the elements in there. There's one scene in particular, um, which I won't spoil, but it's basically um, sort of a breakdown moment. You know, your protagonist, although he's actually um, in the Oscar race, he's actually going for Best Supporting. Yeah, and Vigo's going for Best Actor. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about that because they are both eligible for Best, you know, you know mm. main role because of the amount of screen time they both share. But I thought it was quite interesting. But anyway, there's one point where his character, throughout the whole film, he's so straight and very much prideful on his dignity his, the way he presents himself in public mm. and there's one scene, one scene towards the end where he just kind of breaks yeah and you know what scene I'm talking oh, about yeah. yeah and uh, holy shit like that I was like that this is awesome like the performances and everything about this is really good I think that's the that's the thing I said too I was talking to someone and it was sort of like like those types of films they they're much they're they're prof- they're not as profound as other films in the same sort of category, but they they don't have to always be like the most they really, profound. They really things. don't. I mean, this year we have, I mean, it's the year with like Bohemian Rhapsody getting nominated for Best Picture, or A Star Is Born getting nominated for Best Picture. Bohemian Rhapsody is way more of a feel good film than Green Book. Yeah, Green Book has much more to say when it comes to that but that's the frustrating thing it's like yeah. if we're in this year for those sort of pitcher nominations i don't think green book should win right now uh I'd like but to... you said that when we walked out of the theater though you said that was my favorite film it was probably my most enjoyable film okay it won't win okay um i got the most enjoyable i mean i'm a big watson fan so it's nice to see fair, yeah fair enough me. but yeah look it's it's a nice film and it's a pretty easy watch um, and it's it's a good watch. It's a good watch like, too. It has things to say, but you're gonna have a fun. We time. also probably had a way more fun time too because we had the entire theater. We had the entire theater, so we could talk it kind of 
normal vo- not that we're talking over the film but we could talk at normal volume we could point things out and discuss but that's, that that becomes like a part of our experience yeah so we did have there is that sort of element that probably added to how much we enjoyed the film too I feel I feel like we would have enjoyed it definitely obviously that context helps with the enjoyment because like we were in such a good mood yeah when we realised the movie started we're like that's it it's us three yeah we're gonna do this we finished our silly snapchats and just started you know Started watching the film exactly and uh, enjoyed our time. So it was like it was like watching it in a chill environment, like watching you know American Animals in your room. Yeah, but watching it on a big screen. Yeah, and it's it was like this nothing is cool. more satisfying than paying twenty dollars for a ticket and getting the entire theater to yourself. Oh, that felt like we should have paid more. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I could, well, as I said, we should just go to those nine o'clock screenings from now on. Yeah, no, it's on of... like a Wednesday night. Yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, I was still surprised though. I was surprised like no one else bought a ticket. And was it James or you who asked like, what happens when no one buys a ticket? They play the movie. They just play it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, why not? Um, all right. Well, I think that pretty much covers, I've, like I said, I've seen Dragons 2. I've seen Fire. I've seen Green Book with you. Um, now another one. I watched Dragons 2 with Nat. Mm-hmm. And then we watched a, now this is interesting. We watched a 30 minute film after this a short film yeah so it's a short film 30 minutes long and it feels i definitely wish it went longer because it was really fascinating now the film is called um i believe i'm probably gonna get it wrong but i believe it's called uh what's strange about the johnsons i feel like i've heard about this before this is this person who directed this basically came out of film school and this was like their thesis from whatever um and they went on to do hereditary this is sounding, yeah. That's on the list, too. I it's on the it. list, everyone. I've watched I've got it there in my Blu-rays, but just... Do you? Oh, you mean Hereditary? Yeah. Oh, okay, I, I was going to say, yeah. I can't brave yeah. myself to watch it yet. Mm. I still haven't seen it. I'm so oh, we go. We watched Hereditary that. together. There we go. Be supportive. We can, we can catch that. Be supportive. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say anything about that film, but um, it was it was a 2011 film that kind of... It, it, was, it was a festival film. I think it was... Um, Oh, was it Slam Dam or something like that? It was something. Probably Sundance. Sun- no, nah, I don't think it was Sundance. I think it was Slam, I think. But either way, uh, apparently it got leaked online months later. And then that's when it exploded. Right. And um, Great film. Very interesting film. Definitely makes you think. Very uncomfortable film. I don't want to say anything. That's the thing. I think you should just go on Vimeo and watch mm. it because it's good. I will give it a check out. My one I'm also not going to talk too much about, but it is a absolute 100% must-watch. If you like a mystery documentary, this one is just so good. I haven't had a documentary like like that I've enjoyed this. Like I was, we're, we're sitting on a couch right now, Jake. I Wait, was what? like, oh, we are, we are, we are. Cool. I was here with Oliver, who recommended this documentary. <laughs> Oliver Tool is a yeah, good stuff, Oliver. Um, but by the end of it, I'm like in the upright position. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, my jaw's on the floor, <laughs> my hands are over my eyes. Um, tickled. A New Zealand... That's what it's oh, called. the name, tickled, right, Tickled. Is what it's called. It's by a New, Zealand, a New Zealand documentarian, and it's about competitive tickling. And that's all I'm going to say. Watch what? it. It's on Netflix. It's about competitive tickling. Ooh, I want to watch this now. And... After, this is a side note, after you watch the documentary, go onto YouTube and type in The Tickled King, and it will be under the same page, Tickled's on YouTube, and it's a 20-minute, po- like, wow. basically, what is it, uh, epilogue. 
to okay. the to the documentary. That's cool. About their screening at Cairns, uh, not Cairns, no Cairns Sundance, and it's just their layers. It's That's just cool. you've got to watch it because it just gets better would, and better and better. And I thought you were gonna say after you watch it, like go out there and start tickling people. I don't think you want to tickle people at the end of this documentary, okay. Jake. That's all I'm saying. I usually don't like tickling people because I don't like being tickled. But uh, that was my week in film. That was numbers 29 to 35. And that was me as well. I don't know what numbers that were. I guess that would have been like 8 to 12. I don't know. I'm I'm keeping track of it, but I'm not like trying to do every day. No, it's cool. So, you can actually now, on my Instagram handle, ZekeMH, you can actually follow the entire... I've, there's apparently a thing called story highlights, I was told during the week. You didn't um, know about story highlights? No, I'm like an old man with this stuff sometimes. <laughs> um... So You're I like put, our technical put, advisor for this podcast. I've put, I've put, all, <laughs> I've put all 35 posts on my highlights. Nice. So you can watch the entire thing. So hopefully by the end there'll be 365. That you can That's do. actually really clever. I didn't know that you could like go way back and kind of do Apparently, that. I thought it was just like like Snapchat stories. No, no, you can actually put them all up. So I'll put them up on the cool. daily story, but I'll also if you go to the actual Zeke MH page. You'll get to see all 365 films oh, yeah. on the highlights. That's exciting. So that'll be a pretty check. cool catalogue. Yeah. And and also, it's much slower, so you can actually read the whole reviews. Right, cool, yeah. That is a, I always have to like hold it down when I'm reading the yes. reviews and stuff. Alright, yeah, so cool. what's happening with you? What's happening with me? Alright, so in the last... I did tease last week that you're going to hear a lot more about Disconnected uh, today. Um, I didn't get everything that I wanted out in time. I was hoping we'd have a trailer and a poster out by now, which we do not, but uh, don't worry, guys, it's coming. But basically, Disconnected is a 47-minute film that I've been working on for a very long time. And uh, in the last week, we have a premiere release date announced. So everyone, uh, March 1st, so less than a month from now, you can go to uh, Backlot Perth and uh, check out the film. Uh, tickets on Eventbite. Is bright? No, event bright. My apologies. So, um, everyone's gonna be searching up event bright. I know. I, I just screwed it up. <laughs> Our chances of selling tickets are all gone. No, but um, so yeah, if you get a, if you wanted to check it out, you can go ahead buy a ticket there. Um, it's easy to find if you just go on our social media's clicker productions like Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Um, it's pretty easy, pretty direct. Yeah. Um, and, this uh, podcast obviously is to showcase our discussion of film, growth in film, and also our actual films ourselves exactly so and, uh, if this event kills me then you're gonna get all the upcoming it'll be great <laughs> weekly updates it'll be like in memoriam for uh, jake diagrella <laughs> but yeah uh, no it's it should be a fun evening uh oh, i'm really i'm really excited uh Zeke, you've got some uh big shoes to fill in on the week you uh tell us what you're doing i so the the event you'll get to see um a short film that jake and i did together in the mm. pre- um, little Disney Pixar short sort of sense <laughs> um, yes. called Cradle, which uh, was written, directed, and shot by us two and, and Jack, Jack Bet. Bet. And so I'm very excited to see that on the screen. Yeah, that's going to look nice. Because I've never, personally at this point, have never actually been shown in a cinema. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's um, going to be cool. I, feel, I think people are going to benefit because it's like, even those who have access to the film already will get a much better experience from it on Absol- a big screen. Absolutely. Um, and then the main event, mm-hmm. Jake's film, which that will put us at about the hour mark. We've got it for a couple of hours. And uh, yep. then we're hosting a Q&A after. Well, I'm hosting a Q&A after um, with Jake uh, 
Diagrella and <laughs> yes, the two leads and two of the supporting cast. That's right. So uh, the way it's looking at right now, we're going to have our two leads. So uh, Monique Brocklehurst and uh, Zach Zachary Cave. Um, looks like we're going to be having them on the panel with me as well. And we're going to have some of our supporting. So I know uh, Rebecca Collin, James Mooney, who uh, also have roles in the film, are going to be there. And um, and then we're getting yeah. drunk, hopefully. <laughs> we're going to get drunk afterwards. I like uh. that. Um, so that's our plan. Like um, all good rap parties. So for 15 bucks, you can get all of that in an amazing night out in Perth. So uh, we hope to see you there. Yeah, check it out. Eventbrite. Eventbrite, Clicker yeah. Productions. Uh, ZKJ Productions will probably be chucking some stuff up. In the next week, Ooh. well, they're, they're uh, hosting. They're hosting the panel. Yeah, so, so we've go. got to we got to start talking about that. On <laughs> I got to do but, the posts. Um, I can guarantee you the poster will definitely be up within the next couple of days. Uh, it's looking nice, and a trailer. Hopefully by next week. Surely by next week, you first will have ever feature film trailer. Yeah, I will never D- get this again. IMDb. <laughs> yeah, well, although that's true, the, my first. Yeah, because I don't, I don't consider this a feature, but I D- IMDb does. Really. Yeah, anything over 45 minutes, they count as a feature on IMDb. There you go. So you only get this once. There you go. I'm like two minutes over the limit. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> you just cut like three minutes from the film. Be like, I haven't done a feature yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, guys, I have a great idea. It just starts chopping it down. The credits are like, zzz, done. <laughs> well, that is exciting times. It's legit the credit. If it weren't for the credits, we would be a short film. <laughs> then we just made it a feature. <laughs> Oh, that's Maybe so she, bad. That's pretty funny, actually. Uh, no, it's congratulations. It's good. It's good. Thank looking, you. I'm very you. much looking forward to it. Oh man, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to dress up. I think a lot of oh, I get to wear a suit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up on the show now is our movie of the week. Movie. It's of Bart the Layton's week. American Animals. Stick around. You ever feel like you're waiting for something to happen? It pains me to see you embarrass your father. But you don't know what it is. You're in, or you're out. American Animals is a feature film from 2018 by Bart Layton, an English documentary filmmaker. He's the writer and director Mm. of films such as The Imposter, which is probably his most profound documentary in the past 10 years, and American Animals. American Animals follows four young men mistaking their lives for a movie and attempt one of the most audacious heists in US history. Ooh, that's an audacious. So, Spencer Reinhardt, played by Barry Keegan, uh, Warren Lipka, played by Evan Peters, Aaron Bolsick, played by Jared Abrahamson, and Chaz Allen, played by Blake Jenner, are four friends who live an ordinary existence in Kentucky. After a visit to Transylvania University, yeah, Lipka comes up with an idea to steal the rarest and most valuable books from the school's library. As one of the most audacious art heists in US history starts to unfold, the men question whether their attempts to inject incitement and purpose into their lives are simply misguided attempts at achieving the American dream. Alrighty, this yeah. film was recommended you, to us. Do you write these yourself? Uh, like I little... paraphrase them from a... You paraphrase them. I, li- I like to use the word inject. Inject incitement. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. I am a writer occasionally. Um, <laughs> occasionally. Um, Once every few this years. This film was recommended to us by Jesse Newell. Yes. From New Creative, he was, who he we are very me. much looking forward to when we have the facilities to have him on the show. Yeah. Later this month, hopefully. 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 Um, yeah, he was with me. We both watched it on a Blu-ray copy that I bought um, with James. So the three of us watched it. Yes, James. Well, Orton, hopefully, also another future guest on the show. Oh, absolutely. 
and um, Jesse was with me on board. I, I basically, I was buying a bunch of Blu-rays in one hit, and Jesse was with me, so he helped me with a lot of the recommendations. So this was definitely one of his picks. Thank you, Jesse, for the recommendation. Any recommendations, please feel free to chuck them into the, the mm. comments or just send us messages at our respected production pages. We take all recommendations seriously, either for my 365 challenge or for any future episodes. Grown-ups too. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not from Jake, though, because he hasn't added to Endler Catalog. <laughs> hey, um, I'm growing out of it, all right? Okay. Um, all right, initial reactions, Jake, mm. to this film. All right, initial reactions. Um, so we watched it the other day. Yes. So I got I got a little more time, like a few more days to process it, as opposed to Rome, where I had like like seven hours and I was asleep most of those hours to process it. Um, you did a bit of subconscious processing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was I dreamed about it. Yeah. I dreamed about being a maid. Um, <laughs> I think I really enjoyed the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember thinking very interesting themes in terms of it's all about perspective and artistry and as you've said it's about fear as well what was it james it was one of you two you, yes. you guys are basically the same guy let's practically one's born one's brunette yeah and you're both very attractive well so there's um, that hmm. um but i think i think the most interesting part about it is obviously the narration and direction i think the direction is very interesting in terms of how and you said he's a very much a documentary Director. Up until this is his first official directorial feature film, so right. like first melodrama, and this is absolutely again injected, <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely there because of the way he directs and how he brings the actual real life people into the film as not only a documentary style but even occasionally weaves them into the actual narrative, yeah, the narrative story. and the story. That's been told. I think it's fascinating. It's, most, it's the best reincarnation ever done in a documentary. Well, uh, there are, and it sets the tone with the first thing. This is not based on a true story. Right. This is a true story. And the way they do it the other way around of what you would expect. Yes. You would imagine them being, this is a true story, and then they scrub it out and be like, this is not a true story, in the sense that, oh, this didn't really happen. You know, you're not meant to know about it. And going into this fairly blind, that's what I thought they were going to try and yeah. do, but it was the other way around. And by the end, you understand why it's the other way around. No, it's, it's all about perspective. Exactly. Um, I think this film plays to... It's a, a rare situation when someone jumps from one end to the other. So they either jump from melodrama to documentary or documentary to melodrama. They tend to neglect the things sometimes they learn in the other respective genre. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, Bart Layton's taken his ability to make documentaries like The Imposter... And he's incorporated into a feature in which it's a bit of a genre break. It's funny talking about Vice occasionally, you mm. know, and, and McKay is, you know, director of Big Short and, and Vice, and he is the king of this whole, like, right. let's just throw everything everywhere because it's just genre breaking. And, right. and I think Vice actually suffers for it because it does it too much. Whereas this film, it, it just makes the film more interesting. It makes it more interesting. It's funny because I. Listen, you say that I was wondering if you're going to use the word benefit from it, but I think you are more accurate in saying it's more interesting. It's yeah. more interesting that they do that. I think, especially, um, it's funny you when you talk about the interwoven stuff mm. and that scene. One of the first scenes we really start to see, because at first we don't know who these people who are talking to camera are. They don't reveal the names immediately, right? Um, 
they there's just this guy who turns out to be um you know spencer reinhardt and um warren lipka who are in a very like they're in that very similar to fires style they put them in the center of frame um, i noticed that yeah the framing's really interesting as well uh, in these interviews which works way better than putting them off to a left or a right in my opinion because yeah. That makes it feel more documentary when they're offset to one one side. Mm. Whereas because these guys are talking kind of directly at camera, it it feels more like um, you know who are these people? Why are they talking? Um, and then they then uh, just after I think about the fifteen twenty minute mark, they reveal who they are. They're the real Spencer. Yeah. They're the real Warren Lipka. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the, the that it makes it feel less like a documentary that they're sent in a frame or the, yeah. the frames. Are, I think it actually, that does go a long way in really making you question not only these people, but then when they reveal who they actually are, you're yeah. like, are these act? I generally did not know. I had to look it up to be like, okay, these are the actual people. Yeah. Because the way they speak and move and the way they're shot and everything... It feels uh, just a little more um, uh, less real, more less like, real, more crafted. It feels like yeah. it feels like the director's telling them to do this and that, as opposed to them just sitting there. And it's like it, it's hard to tell. I think definitely there's there's an element of truth because one of the opening scenes is them going in for the heist when they're all dressed as old people, and it's yeah. intercut with the parents mm. talking about and their they're kids crying. Well, the, the father's crying. And you're sort of like, is this a mock? What it feels like, it yeah. feels like a mockumentary. Yeah. But it's a documentary, which is so weird. That's why I say reenactment. Yeah. You see documentaries do these like reenactments. Like, this is the best reenactment. Yeah. It's almost what it feels like. But it, well, that's the thing. Technically, it's a reenactment, but it's like, it's not. Because it could literally, this movie would still function without these pieced cameras. Yeah, exactly. It would still be a coherent narrative about these kids that attempted a robbery, mm. basically, like every other heist movie. So I think that's. It, it, it's a bit of a mind numb, I guess. Yeah. To try and like comprehend, like really like be like, well, I, I would be fascinating to think that that's the way he wanted to construct this film. Right. Like, imagine what the script looks like. That's, that's a good point because it's like, again, it goes into, you know, the real people talking about their history and there's a lot of comedic, the way it's edited. I actually have some things to say about the editing of this film, which I think for the most part, kind of has this really ambitious um, way of doing things and it achieves it for the most part other than some very specific moments and I'm like, ooh, I don't like the editing's way too... throws me off way too much. I'll get to that later. But um, you're right about the script in the sense that the way it's edited is very... there's very comedic moments. Like, I'm, like there's one part where... I, th- I think it's after the actual... I think we'll meld in the spoilers a little bit. Well, it's a real story. So, it's a real story, so you know it is. But this, this obviously, this robbery does happen, and uh, I mean, this this podcast, that movie of the week, we're going to always go into spoilers yeah. here on Cinema Side. I mean, so. the way we gather from our audience, they try and watch the films before we even yeah post the episode. Yeah. So. so this is meant to be an open forum of discussion for people that watch the movie. That's exactly. why we put the block in the middle. So I believe exactly, and I believe the it's after the scene where they've done the robbery, and it's obviously gone horribly wrong. Um, and it just, it cuts, it cuts to one of them. I, I don't even remember who, but basically he just sighs. He's like, and then it cuts back and that stuff, it goes back to your script thing of like, I wonder what the script actually looked like. It feels like how much they freedom did, they had in what they spoke. They did all the piece to cameras and then made the movie after the piece to cameras. Mm. Um, That's quite possible. 
because but they're also incorporated into the narrative like well, they, they drive past the real life dude I, on the way to a rock that sort of stuff uh i was i mean it, That's it breaks cool. into my highlight scene stuff but i have to talk about it just because it's part of the construction of the film yeah um my particular scene where this was really awesome was when um spencer first sees the uh the book of animals and finds out it's worth like what 12 million dollars and he's trying to pitch the, well he's not trying to pitch the idea to warren but he's talking about it clearly so warren would be like let's steal it and this is like, when they're in the car at the fuel station but are they in the car or are they at the party that's that was the okay. thing it like flicks between the two because it's like the real spencer goes oh we're at a party but then warren goes no 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 we were driving yeah and again perspective and the, the fun, and then that, that bit when spencer goes into the gas station to pay for the gas yeah the person in front of the line is the real spencer yeah and the person and in the car, the car is warren talking yeah. to warren i really yeah that kind of stuff is like obviously a head scratcher at first but it's like that stuff's really clever yeah that stuff's really cool especially the transitions between the two like they were at a party and then somehow they managed to do like this almost seamless transition into the car. Yeah. It was like, yeah. now we're in a car. And it's like, amazing. Moments but, like that have that great, again, great editing and this great kind of flow of things, great direction. It's ambitious, um, but it's, and it's different, very which is exactly what these kinds of movies are, are great for. And you've got to be like, thank you for giving that like uh, something different. Yeah. A fresh take. And that's the thing that, that even the the style, there's obviously a great style to this, but even the way they incorporate the animal aspect of it. Yes. Um, especially with birds and kind of how that, uh, even the way it's shot and then the way it's kind of incorporated into the you know, the rest of the narrative and the characters and the way they speak mm-hmm. and how they reflect. I, I just really liked all that kind of stuff because yeah. it gave it this kind of um, godlike over-the-shoulder effect of yeah. what they were doing was this you know very important thing but i think you highlighted the the key point of this kind of cross genre is perspective yeah it's each character each of the four main dudes saw a different perspective mm. and but none of them and none of them were accountable none of them they all thought it was someone else's idea to do this heist yeah which is always fascinating or like how they all had different reasons but none of them could really justify it by the end of the film, the seven years they lost because of it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's fascinating. And I think that that's some of the film's greatest strengths. Some of its weaknesses, though, are, I think, for some of the editing to be brilliant, some of the editing is quite clunky in parts and feels a little bit jarring and sort of, like, takes you out of the moment. That does that, yeah. That does kind of lead me towards some of my um, nitpicky moments of the film, and I said this while we're watching it, and you agreed that it, it started to drag towards the end a little bit. Yeah, it was. I think it was meant to showcase after they um, they performed the heist, the fallout from said heist, yeah. and how it like psychologically affected these four young minds, and how they all kind of wanted to be caught. Towards it definitely felt like that was what yeah, they were going they were for. Like expecting it, so they were already rashing out to it. Um, like when he steals, he steals um waffles or something. Yeah, it's something from the from the store, and then the bodyguard or the security guards chasing him, and he just turns around and he just like loses his shit. Or the guy who like just punch who um Chaz, I think it's Chaz Allen. Yeah, he turns around and just punches someone. Like he just punches That's someone right. in the bar. Yeah, or, yeah. 
like because they kept nudging him and yeah he was just, well like, i mean i would have done that regardless if i robbed anything or not <laughs> but <laughs> i hate yeah, it so much yeah but yeah. um it's just like that like it was that fallout sort of stuff and but we should point out that we literally said that like maybe two minutes before the scene where they're all arrested which is a fantastic that's a great that's scene. that is honestly one of the strongest things this film has is some of its music selections oh it's a great source i want to buy the film. i, I want to just buy the soundtrack for this yeah. film it was so good i loved like great yeah great picks it definitely kind of lean towards finding great songs mm. and injecting yeah. them into he definitely the... which i reckon that probably plays into definitely um because doco music selection is something that people mm. don't think about when they watch a documentary, but it's huge yeah. in docos. Um, so that's probably playing more to his like, you know, his own field strength again. Um, I just think that that final scene where it's a, a lot of the slow mo stuff's really cool. Like they do a lot of yeah, really good slow mo yeah. stuff. Um, it's, yeah, because that montage is completely slow mo, and the framing of shots. There's some like real ambitious cinematography work going on here. Like the, yeah. that one where he takes the drink and the camera like rotates with the drink. That's right. Or like yeah. the car door opens and then closes. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Well, that would have been a simple rig on the the door, but it still looked very nice. It's yeah, still it's very satisfying. It's, it's. I think it's to add to the immersion. Like they really wanted this immersive sort of experience. Yeah. Again. Um, like to feel like we're watching this story unfold as these people are telling us to camera. Well, it's in, it's interesting you use the word immersion because I used that for Roma last week. But I think I think with this film, it's a different sort of immersion. Well, even with immersion, like there's definitely immersion there with the narrative. But I think it, it, it you have to catch up with it because of the way they're mixing these documentary styles. Yeah, into the narrative that it was almost like I was actually trying to catch up with the film in that regard. And not that that's a bad thing. Not that that breaks any immersion otherwise. But I think that it's actually a counterpoint. To what you're saying oh okay but yeah is that first I'm disagreement challenge you honestly one of the things <laughs> i drew away from it is which is playing on the nitpickiness i felt the people the real people hmm. uh definitely especially um warren lipka had a lot of charisma on camera and okay. i don't think their acting counterparts had the same um charisma sometimes mm, okay and i thought the motives were a little bit frustrating at times like it felt like this kid like like the whole thing is basically they're trying to inject a bit of adrenaline into their lives but when the first time they try it goes awry mm. most of them don't want to do it a second time and i don't really i don't think the scene that goes oh we're doing this again really sort Sells of it enough yeah because they all walked away they're like one of them was like dry reaching and they're all like panicking and and like the, the main character spencer he was done he was like i'm not doing another yeah, yeah, another yeah. go at this and i i don't know i i don't think that scene really sold that the, the scene idea that they wanted did, to go back again yeah um the scene that was really like awesome was when they did follow through and uh, the, like just the fallout of like like stun gunning that woman oh yeah oh like, that like, was so uncomfortable was so like. uncomfortable and it's like complete like takes out those like and i love my heist movies but they do romanticize the heist part i think the only two movies that have ever been kind of a bit gritty in their sort of heart like i've seen that i've kind of like it's kind of like oh this is actually feels a bit real is hell or high water or that film 
Right, okay. Because Hell High Water definitely conveys that sort of, like, uh, like uncomfortableness in the, in the heist, you know, yeah. like, especially the last heist in that film. Um, between, like, Chris Pine's character that doesn't want to kill anyone and, and mm. Ben Foster's character that's kind of this loose, loose cannon, but he's doing it for the right. So good. Hello, High Water. Hello, oh. High Water. It's interesting with this because, obviously, they go, they attempt it twice. And the first time, they're way more prepared. They've got, like, these elegantly done disguises and stuff. Yeah. And they've got this whole plan. And obviously, they can't go through it but because there's, there's an unexpected meeting. There's too many people in the room. They can't yeah. do it, so they bolt. Um, and then the second time they do it, even from the planning stages, they were just like, let's go again. They don't they don't bother with yeah. the disguise. They don't bother with that. So they're, it's already kind of hit this point where it's like, we're just going to go for a second time. Screw it. Just screw it. And then that's obviously reflected in the actual heist itself, where it's mm. very dumb. But although the taser was always a thing. Yeah. Which is weird because it was like James said when we watched it, a taser was never going to knock you out. It's well, never going to knock But that out sort cold. of plays into their ignorance as these young men that it's, don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. It's definitely an ignorance, but I'm surprised the first time when they were way more prepped that they didn't even... Unless unless I'm missing out, was a different no, plan? Was, no, it was, was always the taser? Okay. I think James jokingly said that they should have had a bottle of chloroform at the ready. No, it's true. I thought the exact same thing before he said it. So... It, it, I don't know if it works as well as it I think, it, I think it, also, it also comes back to well the whole thing was that they thought there was a basement escape and there wasn't a basement escape right that's right um, and then also, I think it's sucking the elevator there were so many things wrong oh, with no. that like they like these took these absurdly large books like they are like absurdly like, they're two yeah. people to carry them and they thought that that was the, the, the way to go and basically what it was is, is if, at least it feels immersive and like it feels real like it feels like yeah. this is like these guys aren't trained professionals, I mean, with and the, they're acting like... With the big books, if they had just played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood multiplayer, they would know that the key is to just pretend like you're doing you're doing a job. you got a big book, yeah. You're meant to, you just walk out. you got to pretend. It's the, it's the whole panic in the situation. But I guess like, the game wasn't out then. Uh, well, um, um, I'm ready, I'm ready <laughs> so to break sorry. into the highlight scene, buddy. Okay, uh, well, what's, what's yours? Because I have a couple in mind. I want to see if okay. what you can um, land on. So... I already talked about the introdu- uh, introduction to the interviews of Spencer and Warren. Yep. Uh, the back and forth origin for Heist Idea. We talked about that scene. Um, I liked um, the final scene. Well, see, we've talked about all my, my yep. favourite scenes. Yep. Um, where it's all slow-mo and the music's just so beautiful in the moment. You actually really do get emotionally sort of like moved by that it's scene. It's a really, yeah, moved scene. Especially when it cuts so back to like... The actual people, and they talk about how they've like lost those, like those seven years of their life. Yeah, and I love when they finish the interviews. They all are doing something, and the room they're in kind of cuts to a wider. And yeah, it, like um, Chaz was writing a, I think it was Chaz, or um, I'm trying to remember it now. It was Eric. One of them, one of them's writing a memoir about the situation. That's and right. Cuts to the, the memoir book or. One of Which I believe artists. is a memoir that's available now, I believe. Yeah, I yeah, think so. It so. would be. Because it was a while ago that it would have been. Um, basically, all, every place they're in is a part of their workplace. And it yeah. pans, it cuts to the wide. So I thought that was really clever. 
That's almost similar to when um, they're doing their code names or the colors. They each give each other a color as a name. Yes. And then it cuts to them with the wall behind them. Yeah. So that's clever. That's clever. It's definitely... Uh, the, the film's strength and weaknesses both come back to genre-breaking. Yeah. Which is very much the I don't opinion. know if there's any weakness, though, in that. Well, what's your weakness in for the genre-breaking? Um, I think, like I said, I feel like I, I almost wanted to watch just a documentary on um okay on these people um but i think this is probably the best way to go about this film um i like the performances by like evan peters and and barry keegan but they're not barry keegan especially just doesn't do it for me he's the he's the guy plays spencer he just doesn't really um he's got a great look to them though like the way the way like they have like you know minimal facial hair or like these like kind of random yeah. scabs in their face so like like I love the attention to detail there. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, I just think that, uh, I don't know. I thought uh, especially in that post heist environment, the the sort of stuff where it was like cutting back to the, the, interviewee, mm. like it was it did drag that little bit out a little yeah. bit and it felt a little bit like oh. If I'm looking at my watch, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, is that really to do with the genre breaking conventions or just the pacing of the film? Maybe it might be the pacing. Okay. Probably be more. Uh, it definitely yeah. feels like we go from zero to 100 and then so. back down to zero and then to like a 75. And that's a little, <laughs> little jarring. A little jarring. Um, I think you're absolutely around the money, though. The, the whole after the heist, that's what they're trying to convey. Yeah, was the post. Which but, is um, stuff that heist movies... Maybe we're just not used to that. Um, maybe. I'm trying to think where it came from for me. Because it was that thing of... Um, just... Okay. okay. Maybe it's frustrating it's too. Like, you're, you're sitting there and you're kind of like... Because it's obviously meant to be so realistic to the actual events. These people don't come across very smart. No. <laughs> very educated um and i and the whole idea when they even trying to the real life people were trying to explain but it's like well there wasn't a book on how to heist yeah, so we watched exactly. a bunch of movies and i love mm, that's actually good yeah and it's kind of like you're sitting there and you're like yeah but they're movies like what what 20 year olds think this because they're all in their early 20s at this point yeah. so i'm, I'm I can um, still see the benefit of it, but not in that like documentary. Like this is gospel information for all a heist. I'm saying is, if I'm doing a heist, I'm not watching Point Break. <laughs> I mean, just... you're gonna watch it anyway. Yeah, I'll just watch it <laughs> to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, but, uh, that's that's probably my highlight scenes. I've kind of. I would through. I would definitely say that ending the montage specifically. I think you're right. That is a great highlight scene. Yeah. Um, I think a couple of other scenes that come to mind. Obviously, the heist itself. Is very like painful to watch, but it's very interesting. And again, going into it's like when I watched Fire, you know, it was like you go into the stuff that yeah, it's documented, it's inform- it's public information, what happens. Hands over eyes. But hands over eyes because of just how sloppy it was. It was like <laughs> horribly executed. I mean, that's the whole point. Um, the woman who gets tasered, tied, she's yeah. like pissing herself, and you're like, oh, that's right, yeah. That's... I like I like they bring the real her in at the end. Oh yeah, that was a cool little touch. Um. But other than that, I think another scene I really liked was when they're before, I think it's even before or during their plan of the heist, they have kind of in their heads how it goes. And it's like, so 
unbelievably perfectly executed. Ocean's Eleven style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just how they do it and the carefulness of that. And the, uh, that that was quite funny. I don't know if that would be my favourite scene. Though. I think I would either go with the ending or the heist itself as my like highlight scenes. Yeah. So, um, but also the stuff when um, is it um, I think it's Warren. Warren's the um. The, the ego on it he's the one who goes on the meeting allegedly yeah yeah um i think that meeting scene was also really cool that was pretty cool and that whole little arc of him trying to find this underbelly and just not going very well especially when it also leads to the whole like uh spencer going i don't even know if you got on the plane yeah and then it has that shot of him just doing a u-turn that's great perspective once uh, again um, so that's american animals is out in wide release Wide release. We got Blu-ray a Blu-ray at a local JB, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. Easy one to get. Would would recommend. Yes, absolutely. I think it's very interesting. Great direction. If you're a filmmaker, watch it because there's some interesting stuff there. And even if you're not, you're gonna you're gonna have a good time. You're gonna have a couple of chuckles because there's some really funny. There's sequences. some funny stuff in there. Um, throwbacks. And it's just a cool little uh, a cool movie. It's a cool movie. So it's a great, uh, it's a great style as well. Moving on, Jake. New in cinemas this week. Ooh, okay. So we've got a few ones. I'm gonna. I'm not going to butcher some of these like I did last week. Um, but we've got a few ones. So we've got uh, Ben is Back, mm-hmm. which is something I actually almost watched the other day. Um, and, it, it, yeah, it seems interesting. I'm not keen. Check it. You're not keen? Nope. So it doesn't seem just too stupid to you? Is that we, when we watched the trailer, it was in front of the Green Book screening, wasn't it? It was, it was I think, yeah. Didn't do it for me. Felt very much like a... We're supposed to feel sad in this movie. But that's something like it feels kind of silly or stupid. A little bit, a little bit. I yeah, I I get the I get that vibe, but I feel like I feel like I might. I'll see. I'm really fifty fifty on that. So we got Lou over the wall. No clue. No clue what that is. Misbehavior. Still no clue. Uh, NT live. And what? I imagine that is and, a Northern Territory. And Tony and Cleo These Petra. are Australian screenings. Okay. Um, and this is one I'm personally very oh, excited yeah. for, The Front Runner. Hugh Jackman's latest film, mm. looking, and, uh, and, um, is it, um... It's, what's his name? Um... Gene Simmons, right? J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, yeah, yeah. Um, J- good. J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, look, it look, it look, I just, I love Hugh Jackman so much. Yeah. And he I looks... Love when, I love when you see his Aussie accent. Well, not even, like, Aussie, but, like... Yeah. That, yeah, like... Oh, I don't know. And oh, then we've got The Hate I You Give, which has been out for... What is The Hate You Give? It's, uh, it's uh, I don't know the film, but I know it was a festival film last year, and now it's in wide release. Oh, it got a lot of awesome. critical success, um, and we'll actually be keen to see it. Very nice. Uh, Looking forward to that. All right, next week on the show, right, Velvet next, Buzzsaw. Velvet Buzzsaw. 2019. Critique is so limiting and emotionally draining... I'm hoping you find something to explain what's happening. Which one's better? One or two? Better or worse, no different. No different. After paintings by an unknown artist are discovered, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who have allowed their greed to get in the way of art. The film is by Dan Gilroy, the director behind Nightcrawler, and it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Natalie Dyer, John Malkovich, Tony Collette, and Renee Russo. He's teaming up with Jake Gyllenhaal again. Yeah, I know. I love Nightcrawler. I love him in Nightcrawler. So It's Hell yeah. King. Just check that out. I never heard of that film until you mentioned it yesterday to me. Yep. Velvet Buzzsaw just got released on Netflix, so it will be next week's 
Movie of the week. Movie of the week. Until then, I was Zeke Morgan Hines. I recall that I was uh, Jake Dash Diagrella. And we'll catch you next week. I apologize. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>